And now we finish the program where we talk again with Brian and Errol this time about some quirky news. Now, Brian, you start us with a story. Self-driving cars, autonomous vehicles uh, are on the horizon. They're very close and uh, people are spending a lot of time having a bit of a think, a bit of a look in the crystal ball uh, to see what they might mean for how we travel and uh, the other things that we do. Autonomous vehicles, because they're driven by technology, I think are starting to get a lot of parallels with uh, other digital entertainment devices. Now, uh, it's a bit of a, a known thing that um, early adoption of many high-tech devices uh, is driven by pornography and sex. <laughs> And self-driving cars, appears, are no different. Um, experts are beginning to suggest that uh, semi-autonomous vehicles or autonomous vehicles may lead to more people having sex in moving cars. There's some concerns about this because there's uh, issues around being able to respond quickly when the computer says to the other driver, possibly, you know, you take it over, uh, I'm in trouble, particularly on vehicles like Tesla's autopilot, people have started engaging in what Tesla considers to be questionable practices, uh, including reading newspapers or brushing their teeth. So, David, do you think self-driving cars will generate a whole lot of sort of uh, sexual behaviour and sexual activity while people are driving? I I think if people are prepared to pick their nose at the lights, there's no limit to what they might be prepared to do in a self-driving car. The only thing is, gentlemen, we have talked in the past how we should road test cars in the future. I think this is opening up a whole new gamut of, of things that we should relate. I'm happy to road test a, a car with you, David, just not in this manner. <laughs> so my safe word is get me out of here. <laughs> well, when we go on uh, launches, we usually, they usually put two journalists in, in the car, together. car at one time. And the majority of those are males. Some of them that would be appealing, but uh, others perhaps not. The thing about this, might it change the interior of cars? Yep. You know, the whole idea of a layback seat takes on a whole new meaning. Mm-hmm. A bit more shag pile carpet on the inside. <laughs> it redefines four on the floor. People are talking about autonomous vehicles not being very attractive. I mean, uh, they're going to become very boxy and practical, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, it might be a concern that uh, you, you may need some some interior that's uh, a little more emotive and and attractive if you're driving just a box. A mirror on the ceiling, <laughs> or your know, big velvet curtains. Well, I, I was wondering about the curtains. I was wondering uh, at what point will self-driving cars with, with self-driving cars will it be legal to have curtains all around? Or t- uh, tinting that can be turned on and off. You can do this yes. now. Electronic um, thinking, uh, yes. Yeah, glass that changes uh, uh, its... Uh, Transparency. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> you can blank the whole thing out and, uh, and get up to anything at all. The only thing I've got to say is it sort of takes it, the fun out of it when you make it so easy. I don't know about you, but... Uh, David, I think there's still fun in it. Oh, well, yes, yes. But, I mean, there was that sort of adventure. You, you had to be, I think, younger and more lithe and more flexible in, in the time. I mean, what you get the Mile High Club. What good is that when you book a plane with a private, private room? That's right. It's, where's the risk? Yes, it takes the risk mm, excitement. out. What happens if you have an accident? I mean, a car accident. <laughs> well, I was going to say, in nine months' time, you, I guess you find out the results. Autonomous cars have said that they might mean that people move further away in the city because they can 
go get in the car and do something else while the car is moving. Mm. Now, because with sex, you always want to have an excuse. Darling, I would have gone on longer, but we've got to our destination. <laughs> or if, if you're very good, then maybe the car will want to keep going around the block for a while. That's right. Once more around the block, thanks, Jeeves. Sex and travel has been rather... You know, the first woman in a balloon flight, her name was Letitia and Sage. And she was to go in a balloon flight, it was about the 1850s, I think, with two people... Vincento Lunardi and a bloke by the name of George Biggins. As they were about to take off, Lunardi fell out. They had a modesty curtain so the lady could get into it and she took that on board. Apparently, as they were getting near the end of the story, so the official thing goes, she knelt down and refastened the curtain securely while Biggins steadied her particularly. Uh, Some people suggest that might have been a bit of spin and their actual activity was, well, shall we say, on the blue ride they went all the way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's the first time for everything, David, isn't it? There's a whole pile of stories from patrolmen who've gone out to fix up cars only to find that uh, people whose feet have gone up, the Volkswagens used to have a little switch up under the dashboard that turned the petrol off. And they found that in a number of occasions that had been done accidentally. Accidentally by feet. Yeah, so if my self-driving car is rocking, don't come and rock <laughs> It might be a self-driving uh, activity, Errol. <laughs> I'm used to autonomous, autonomous activity. What sort of electronic assistance have you got? <laughs> Yes, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Errol, you have a story. Well, someone with a dark sense of humour in Canada has created a billboard that encourages people to text and drive as an advertisement for a funeral home. Except those visiting the website for the funeral home, presumably to complain about their poor taste, find that it's actually a public service ad discouraging people from driving while texting. And Queensland University of Technology researchers are looking into how effective humour like this is, uh, especially when is is effective, especially when conveying road safety messages to young drivers who don't respond to preachy or fear-based ads. They point to the success of the Ghost Chips ad in New Zealand, which was a hit with young drivers because it was funny but still conveyed a serious message. Now, if Ghost Chips doesn't make any sense, um, search for that on online and you'll find the video. They did a couple of clever ads in New Zealand. There was the young kids who were sitting behind the wheel of a car as it was parked and they were pretending they were acting like their dad does when he gets on marijuana, going to get stoned. And the the kids were about eight or nine. They're very good actors and it was very, very clever. So maybe that was a little bit of humour. I'm, I'm, I'm a little cautious of it there was i always had a person a friend who once said that she loved the batman story where he grabs a rope by his teeth to save himself and then when it's all over he turns to robin and says you see i i was saved by dental hygiene (laughs) (laughs) so can you turn comics into clever things new south wales did stoner sloth yeah that was a confusing confusing ad Brought a, a, caught a, a huge amount of criticism because but it, 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 was try, it was trying to be funny, but it wasn't. 
I think that's the, the the that's the catch with this is that you can't try to be funny. You have to actually be funny. Yeah, if you use cheesy humour, it's a bit like adults going into a young you know, group of young people and telling a dad joke. Yes, yes. It, it's not going to work. The other thing is, did you ever read that book by Sigmund Freud on jokes, his book on jokes? No, as it happens. It was the most unfunny thing I've ever read <laughs> in my entire life. <laughs> it, it, was, it took humour and drained all the character out of it. Uh, that, did you read right to the end? Because the punchline is very, very good, David. <laughs> I might have stopped too early. There's a whole pile of research into this, you know. There was a, a paper written, by, uh, including by uh, Dr. Barry Watson, who's an Australian, whom I've met and whom I think is very, very good, Yoni Lewis and uh, Catherine White, back in 2013, and the title was Humorous Health Messages, A Fresh Approach for Road Safety Advertising Campaigns. And they talked about it, and this is what I was going to raise with you, Brian. They talked about the fact that people remembered it and talked about it. I'm still not convinced that means behaviour change. No, I agree with you, David. It's, a, it's more than just awareness. It's, it's got to cause a shock or cause a, a reconsideration. And as we know from, from road safety, people don't put themselves in those uh, situations. They, they never think that these things are aimed at them. It always aimed at other people. So some of the effective ones, I think, kind of are sentimental. So they, they, they aimed at parents thinking about the impacts on their children or, or impacts uh, to their children of their um, death in a car crash. But, but, yeah, most people, David, do not believe that road safety messages are aimed at them. If you put humour into it with animals or things, young people tend not to think that it's about humans. They tend to think, you know, very young people tend to think it's about animals. Mm. And, of course, if you put cute little cats or something into it doing funny things, people will end up sending or texting the pictures to their friends while they're driving along. Yes, yes. <laughs> Unintended consequences. I think emotion is absolutely right. Uh, telling a young boy that he might die on the road means nothing. Yeah. Telling him that he might kill his sister or brother, or friend, has proved to be more effective. It relates to a consequence that they would have to live with rather than something that they don't think would ever happen. Now, gentlemen, there's a story out of India where they're trying out optical illusion speed humps. This is where they paint on the road a pedestrian crossing, for example, that might look like it's actually 3D, as though it is blocks that stick up from the road. The principle is that if you see it, you will slow down. Do you think this will be effective? Well, no. I mean, they're effective once. Once you've yes, realised that yes. it's not a real thing, then uh, it will never be effective again. In fact, uh, they, were ch they were tried in the States, uh, you know, 10 years ago or so, and uh, a police traffic coordinator from um, Phoenix, Arizona, said initially they were great until people found out what they were. I think the, the more yes. effective one I've seen is probably the Roadrunner cartoons, the tunnel painted on the wall um, <laughs> on the side of a mountain that... Uh, Hey, there was a story about that the other day where someone did it and some people actually drove into it and smashed into the wall. Did they hold up a sign that said, oops, or something? <laughs> Again, there's been some research on this. Speed control effect study on optical illusion deceleration markings. 
It was written by Jim May Wu, Han Hu and Jin Hei Lee. It's from the Road Safety Research Centre, Research Institute of Highway in Beijing in China. What were their conclusions, David? It slowed people down, but again, not by a huge amount. Secondly, slowing them down from 52 to 47 or something kilometres an hour, dependent whether you're motorbikes or cars, that might be better, but it's certainly not a total solution. And the big question is, how long after they put them in did they measure the speed differential? And did they measure it a year later, which would take up the point you're making, both Brian and Errol, that you, if you get used to it, then it loses its effect? Yes. Well, my, my first thought when I saw this is, is how quickly do birds get used to a scarecrow? Oh, okay. Because it's a similar thing. It's designed to, you know, stop you from doing something. But once you realise what it is... He's not being that complimentary. (laughs) Are you still talking about the Roadrunner? I've got the solution, though, I think. You should make a real speed hump with an optical illusion over it as well. Then we'll actually do the job. What I'm thinking is you make uh, ones that uh, are adjustable in a random way. So when you approach them, you're never sure if it's going to give you a really big jolt or it will be flat. And so uh, in the same way that that uncertainty principle gets people going back to poker machines, for example, and playing and playing them, I think that that would prevent people from getting used to the same thing all the time, that, you know, sometimes the speed hump is is inflated tall, sometimes it's lower, sometimes it's not there. So the whole way to approach it is very cautiously. Mm. We may have done a story on some sort of electronic ones where they, if you hit them at a slow speed, they kind of collapse and let let you through without without too much impedance. But if you hit them fast, they're, they're harder. Let's merge those two ideas together and say that if you drive across it like a poker machine, you have a chance of winning something. Yes, a sweet trip. <laughs> the slower you go, the better your chances. Mm, that's a good idea. Could work. They'll pay millions for this. You hit it here first. The one in America they had was a picture of a little girl on a tricycle. But if a car in front of you goes over it, it suddenly appears. Oh, yeah. You could do a panic stop. Mm. Crash. Or swerve to avoid it. Brian, you have one more story. Parking around schools is often a problem with parents... Uh, causing sometimes havoc. In Christchurch, the problem got so bad outside uh, a couple of schools that um, Christchurch City Council will teach parents parking lessons. They'll be training parents in parking etiquette at the start of the school year. So this happened at St Martin's School in uh, Albert Terrace. Residents were um, indicated they're fed up with the way parents parked across driveways and did dangerous things while they were picking up and dropping off their children. So the council was concerned about this, and instead of just enforcing it, they said they'll actually teach drivers um, how to park. Isn't this uh, an interesting concept, David? Uh, Teaching them, yeah. You've really got to change their attitude, which, of course, is much harder, isn't it? Mm. I was, of course, subject to road rage for this very reason. We have a school nearby, people parked in a driveway. They weren't totally into it, but I, I merely had a wry expression on my face as if to say, you know, perhaps you might consider next time. Bloke went off his head, screamed, abused, swore, swore, and just kept going. I just kept going. This is the person who's parked it across your driveway. Correct. Yeah, Mm. (laughs) screaming at you. Of course, famously, a school, a a private school in uh, Sydney was denied approval to expand because of the behaviour of parents uh, dropping off their children. 
Wow. I like the idea of being held accountable for mm. it, but maybe the kids could be the ones to tell their parents. Yeah, tell their parents. Yeah. I, was, I was thinking the same thing. You know, for homework today, you'll be having a conversation with your parents about how to legally park near the school. And you have to film it. So you get kids who'll say, my dad has got a Jaguar F-Type. <laughs> Drop me off him. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> you can't stop me. I think they should they should just extend the uh, the punishment that the kids get to the parents. Oh, okay. They, so writing lines. So, so, so like will they get? De- yeah. Or will, or will they get detention? detention. Or maybe Stay maybe be sent to the sent to the principal's <laughs> office. See me after. Or I tell you what, get the kids to have that lose bonus points if their parents behave oh, badly. Yeah. So yeah. that the kids then put the pressure on the parents. Mm, good mm. idea. Let's yeah, take this further. Good hard caning to the rear bumper. <laughs> they don't, we don't do that anymore. Thrash it with a stick if that's uh, John Cleese is <laughs> any example stop. with it. Now, the, the thing about my road rage incident, a bloke uh, looks that he'd been a boxer, and in fact he was, came up to my wife and said, I witnessed that, and I had a go at the, blo- uh, go, go at the bloke. And he said, well, it's the council's land anyway, so the guy can get stuff. And uh, this uh, boxer said, well, if you cause any more trouble, and this bloke said, I know where you, you know, the one that gave road rage, I know where your house is. You know, (laughs) you wait till you see what I do to your house. I went to the police and I said, I was just staggered at how out of control he was. And the policeman said, welcome to my world. (laughs) But anyway, this guy... um, uh, indicated to the rager that should he go on like that anymore, that he would have him to deal with. So p- perhaps we need Xboxes. Threats. Threats. Yes, yeah. and you never saw him again, did you, David? He's never caused me any problems. I know that. Checks in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, lovely to talk to you. Thanks for your time. You're welcome. Thanks, David. Brian Smith and Errol Smith, and we're talking some quirky news. <laughs> 